Welcome to The Developmental, a podcast about the messy, beautiful ways grown-ups grow up. Here, we explore turning the science into the day-to-day practice of adult development in teams, homes, organizations, and life. Welcome everyone. I can't wait to jump into today's conversation with a leader who has a passion for vertical development and uses it in his day-to-day work. Marty Hughes is a principal of organizational leadership at Tennis Australia and has been involved with leadership and capability development for the past 20 years. Vertical development has become a passion subject for Marty in recent years after he's been introduced to the works of researchers such as Bill Torbert and Robert Keegan, and later with the support of another thinker in this space, Nick Petrie, Marty has been introducing vertical development into leadership programs at Tennis Australia. You'll find links to the work of these three thinkers in the resources for this podcast, and hopefully you'll dive a bit more deeply into the great work that they have been doing. Marty originally hails from Ireland, having grown up during the Troubles, like many of the youth of the era. He then moved to England to study politics at the University of Leeds. While at Leeds, he met his wife, Shaheen, who encouraged to move further afield to Perth, Western Australia. Marty had a 20-year career with Lion, an organization known for its strong focus on leadership and culture, before exploring the world of consulting and then finding himself at Tennis Australia. They have lived happily in Perth for the last 26 years and have two boys who are nearing the end of high school. I am very happy to share with you my conversation with Marty. I've learned a lot and I look forward to your thoughts and questions and hopefully you'll find nuggets of wisdom that you can take into your own work from Marty's hard-won experience. Good morning, Marty, and welcome to the Developmental Podcast. Morning, Alice. How are you? I'm super excited to have you. And um, this is kicking off, really, uh, this conversation is kicking off our guest conversations. And I really, really wanted to uh, kick it off with a leader who walks the talk of vertical development and, and does the messy work. Uh, of of bringing development in organizations because we often look at this from very theoretical perspectives and I was so excited to hear your practical perspective. So thank you for joining me for this conversation. No, I'm excited too. Um, I'm looking forward to exploring sort of the messiness of how, you know, how this works for me and how it work can work for others. Yeah. Me too. And I'd love to start with uh, with a question around how you how you came across this idea of vertical development. Yeah, um, well, I think probably like a lot of people who sort of um, play around in this space, my first introduction to it was Bill Torbett's HBR article um, on seven leaders, seven stages of development. And that one article really had me hooked. Uh, I was so intrigued by the idea of it um, 
like any good uh, any good researcher that took me down like many rabbit holes and led me to many other wonderful people who work in this space and uh but yeah it was it was that initial article from from bill that really uh made me think about leadership development in a different way mm -hmm. i'm curious marty what was it about that article that Kind of shifted your perspective or that you found maybe unusual compared to other approaches on leadership you had encountered before well i suppose that it was the fact that there was a uh a map if you like for development and this idea that we make sense of the world uh from different perspectives and that when I was reading the article, I was really doing a lot of personal reflection as well of going like, how, how does this make sense in my own life and my own journey? And I was able to, no, I don't know how accurate, but like I was able to quite easily map my own developmental journey from just really scraping the surface of this and probably um, quite a simplistic view of it at the time, but it it really appealed to me because i could look back on some of the you know some of the big challenges that i've faced in my time and in my career and this allowed me to put a bit of a framework around it and to make sense of some of those changes mm. so it started with a personal reflection as i understand it where you you made sense of things that had happened and ways in which you had grown before you actually took it into into your work oh yeah most definitely it was <clears throat> plenty of exploration for myself of what it meant um you know I, I i do like to read so i was happy to like jump into the to the theory and um, was lucky enough to get in contact with nick petrie and be able to like bounce ideas off him and he was very generous in in his sharing um and a lot of his work really sort of simplifies a lot of the theory um and, and that allowed me to start to go well if this if this works for me like how well could it work for other people that i'm you know that i'm actually working with and coaching and supporting um and you know from there it was it was a few little experiments with different people that i've got in my team or around me that uh we started to actually play around and and I got a very similar response from them to the response that I had, which was, wow, this, I wasn't aware of this, but it, it makes, it helps me explain some things that I haven't been able to explain before. Mm, that's fascinating. And I am going to include actually some resources around Nick Petrie's work in, in the podcast page because uh, I think what he does is is really awesome in translating this work for, to make it applicable and I'd love to stay a little bit with that story Marty around the insights you have had and what what did it clarify for you and I know that you you've got a an amazing rich life journey and yes. I was curious whether you'd be willing to share with us a few of those insights that looking back and connecting the dots in hindsight this perspective of adult development helped you grow or make sense of, of things that you had lived through perhaps and learned from and, and yeah. put them in a new light. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, so 
the the first sort of thing that really became blatantly obvious for me um in retrospect was when i so i'd grown up in the north of ireland um during the troubles era and um you know that was for for lots of reasons that was a peculiar environment um and uh it was very um it was very one-dimensional in that the troubles took up all of our energy and all of our focus and um we were sort of probably quite narrow-minded in terms of that was the life that we were living um when i was uh, 19 i moved to england to go to university at the university of leeds and that was such a culture shock for me um <clears throat> i it, it was it was quite incredible really i went to study politics and i was massively surprised firstly by the fact that i was in it was in england um you know and the, the, obviously the the english have a play a big role in what happens in the north of ireland but how unaware people were of like the environment in which i'd grown up they were and these were students studying politics and really were very very unaware of you know what was happening just you know 60 miles across the water um but culturally it was very different from me uh, from how i'd grown up and and i really struggled with it um it, particularly in my first year i i really struggled with integrating with fitting in um with any sense of belonging in fact i was rejecting all of those things and the it just wasn't working um i i you know in retrospect was desperately lonely in that first year in england I, even though i did have a couple of a couple of irish friends um that way of perceiving the world of of identifying very strongly as a child of the troubles and um that sense of irishness was it was holding me back it wasn't allowing me to participate in the environment that i'd gone into and you know it was only sort of quite late in the year where you know i i'm there probably was a conscious decision i um to go i need like this this is just not making sense to me anymore like i can't uh, and it was this catalyst of you know you're going to fail and you're going to have to move back you're going to have to leave this or you're going to have to make sense of it in a different way to be able to fit in and you know when when that change happened it happened quite fast and you know i went from being completely miserable to actually having the time of my life to meeting all sorts of new and wonderful people um from all sorts of different backgrounds and just having changed my perspective on that and the way that i made sense of it and was able to let go of some of the things that were holding me back and you know for me when i when i sort of read the the, the adult development theory i'm going well well that was opportunist moving into um to diplomat like because it was very important for me at that stage to fit in and when i did start to fit in and i went did start to feel like i belonged 
everything made so much more sense. And for the next couple of years, that was that was what drove me that need to belong, um, which was is, is such a strong characteristic of the yeah. of the diplomat stage. I think it's such a such a beautiful, powerful example of something that we see in the adult development research over and over again. How adults grow into that next octave of development when their way of looking at the world just no longer makes sense. The current lens no longer makes sense, and it sounds to me like that is exactly what you've experienced in in that transition. I'd love to ask you, Marty, what can you could you identify what was the thing that shifted for you that allowed you to kind of lean in and get curious about the people that maybe initially you were rejecting? What was in your mindset or in your thinking that you felt has shifted um, to allow you that that freedom or to make those different choices? Yeah, um, I mean, I think it was. I mean, it was a need. It was like a deep need that hadn't, well, that wasn't being met. So, like you know, how I was behaving and acting wasn't serving the purpose that I needed, that I was looking for. So it was, it really was the need to to make it work mm-hmm. um, was what drove me to to start to see things differently. And um, I suppose it's about like what what wasn't making sense and like why that wasn't making sense so a little you know you do have to do that self reflection and introspection of going why am i holding on to the things that i'm holding on to yeah. and how are that how are they serving me and you know i think for me the catalyst was to really recognize that they were no longer serving me and i'd be much better served to uh see things from a different lens and Mm. and also also when i think about sort of like when again nick talks about like colliding perspectives as one of the um you know instigators for growth in in a vertical capacity and when i opened myself up to listen to other people um you know i ended up with uh, a a really good group of jewish friends when I like I identify that because growing up in the north of Ireland we were um we were just homogeneous we were like white Catholic or white Protestant there was nothing else um and then suddenly living in in a completely different environment and um, you know my Jewish friends obviously had a completely they had their own stories um but they were very different stories to mine and and hearing their perspectives and how they were making sense of, you know, some of the traumatic journeys that their families had made was really fantastic for me because it it challenged me to go, your story is not the only story. Like, you know, your story of trauma is not the only story. Like there are multiple stories from multiple dimensions. And when you start to open yourself up to hearing those different stories and and you know that may like differ and even disagree to your own that's that really can help be that catalyst yeah and and that kind of leads me to one of the questions that i hear a lot from people when they come across these theories you know this is so interesting but what's the value of this because 
it sounds like every shift into a new perspective, into a new stage or octave of development comes with turmoil, comes with some um, dissolution of your previous identity. You have to outgrow yourself in some way, and that is deeply uncomfortable. So why why is it worth it if if you think it's worth it? And I know you believe it's worth it yes. uh, because uh, you're <laughs> investing so much in in getting deeper into this exploration. But I'd love to hear your perspective as somebody who's living uh, this rather than theoretically just studying it. Why would you say that discomfort is is worth embracing? Because you could have said no in a sense, or you could have maybe not lent into that discomfort uh, potentially, but you chose to. And I know you've done it multiple times yeah. since then. Why is this trouble worth it going through? All yeah, this trouble? yeah. And look, um, yeah. Well, I think when you can when you can look back on the changes in your life, particularly you know those early octave jumps, you know through um, uh, opportunist diplomat expert. And you look at how your life has improved when you can identify where those moments were. And, you know, when I say moments, it could be like, you know, it could be a year, you know, it could be lengthy periods of time. It doesn't necessarily happen in an instant. But when you look at, for me personally, when I look back, I go, gosh, I had ended up having a much better experience whenever I'd lived through the turmoil and actually started to see the world through different uh, through a different lens I did, that I was making sense of it in a different way when I can chart those points in my life it exponentially got better for me mm -hmm. um, and that that's probably why I'm still challenging myself today to like do this work and to to lean into like the the messiness and the uncomfortableness of transformation because uh, uh, my own my own experience says is that there are better things to come uh, and life will be more fulfilling for me as I manage to understand more about this transformation and transition mm. do you did you find uh it was more like a straight line because I think that's one of the the criticisms uh we hear and mm -hmm. I know you've heard it as well around you know is it is it a stairway to heaven kind of you discover this type of growth <laughs> and you kind of lean into the next stage and the next stage and that's it or when you say messiness i'd love to hear what's mm -hmm. what the messiness is as you experience it yeah well i mean i i think my very probably naive um initial review of my life was like yes it is this like um staircase and you just walk up and you move from one stage on to the next but uh, uh, any sort of deeper analysis will show that it doesn't work quite just like that um and there are lots of uh, when i get when i look at my own journey um there are areas of fallback where where i've literally just lost the capacity to be able to do what I did before and and I'm only really learning about this sort of concept of, of fallback now in, in a in a more deeper way but the more I do again the more that makes sense and um if I if I'll give a really specific example of that um when 
uh, was made redundant from an, a role and an organization and an industry that I absolutely loved and had really um, created a lot of my sense of identity through when I lost that job. Um, a lot of that identity crumbled with it. But one of the things that, again, like sort of just in retrospect, and I, I, I remember feeling at times that I literally could not do what I'd been doing before. So, uh, you know, even the depth of my conversation that I was having with people, I felt was such a shallow version of, of the conversations that I'd been having or capable of having previously. And now when I look back on that, it was, I absolutely had due to, you know, um, a, a very specific circumstance had lost the, the capacities that I'd had only, you know, only months previously. And at the time I was genuinely really concerned about myself mm -hmm. then because I, I, I couldn't, I couldn't articulate that. I didn't know how to understand that. I didn't know how to break that down. Um, and, you know, to your question of where the value of this work is, like for me, being able to explain particular moments and circumstances in your life is, it's actually very reassuring. Um, because, you know, when I look back at that now and I can put these words like, you know, I'd fallen back, I'd lost that capacity. And then I can understand that that's actually was a real another catalyst for growth it doesn't make me fear those things it actually makes me want to you know uh, embrace them and and seek them out where i can um and lean into those challenges because i know that there's good stuff on the other side even though it might feel horrible and uncomfortable at the time yeah and that's such a such a profound thing to reflect on, particularly in the leadership context that both of us spend so much time in where performance and constant progress and kind of transcending your limits towards the next edge, whatever that is all the time is the focus. Whereas actually what we know is that fallback and this allowing yourself giving yourself compassion really for those moments when you just lose your capacity for thinking in complex ways and you don't show up as you wish you would yes to recognize those as actual moments of growth um yes requires a lot of courage i think and letting go of some of those beliefs around what performance and what success should look or feel like yeah so much and that's definitely um definitely what i'm experiencing where i'm trying to do the work from a leadership like perspective yeah, I'd love to dive into that uh, because you're you're in a role at Tennis Australia where you you're creating these learning experiences for the organization, and yeah. there's a lot of responsibility on this organization's shoulders to be the custodian of all things tennis, really, in this country. And we know how much people love this sport, and I imagine the the drive and the need to perform and perform that role in the best possible way is always present there. So tell us a little bit about your work um, with leaders and how have you brought this uh, adult development lens into the work you're doing? Yeah, so um, 
the our starting point and it's funny that you you just mentioned a minute ago like you know this this constant need for performance and step up and step up and always you know working at the edge we um conducted uh collective leadership um, assessment which is one of the tools from the leadership circle and that really looks at the organizational leadership culture and what it does is it identifies two things it identifies where your leadership culture is at now versus what the opportunity is or where people would like it to be and some of the things that we identified there were really around this need for constant improvement more like you know the productivity was unsustainable um and then when i took the lens of looking at that what what i felt was we didn't need we didn't need more vertical development or sorry horizontal development we didn't need to build people's skills in um <clears throat> project management etc like we're already world class at those things but it's it's how leaders show up for their people that can make such a big difference in terms of how people feel when their productivity is being stretched and that's when i th decided that um this vertical development this story of our lives and being able to help leaders recognize their story and once you can recognize the past and the present you have a much better opportunity to define the future for yourself so that was sort of that was the, the context of where sort of we ended up um starting our leadership development programs with vertical development mm. Would you be keen, Marty, to share a little bit about what what does a vertical development program look like? Because I hear that question a lot, and and yeah. people in the learning and development space they they are often keen to hear lived examples of you know how do you recognize that your program is actually developmental or or creates or is designed to create that vertical development versus your typical awesome soft skills horizontal development kind of program. Mm -hmm yeah well look i'm happy happy to share um you know uh, we've got some great feedback on it but um it was just my interpretation of how we could go about this and um bringing together a couple of different tools and experiences and um so yeah i'm happy to sort of step you through what you know like what, what we I'd did just love yeah. a few examples of yeah. you know activities or approaches or things mm. in which you've in a way challenged the traditional way of doing leadership development and introduced this lens and also yeah. keen to hear how it was received yeah. by the leaders yeah. yeah well look um the first thing that um that we did uh in terms of flipping the, the traditional leadership development program on its head um when we came together for the first time i think everybody was collectively expecting to be sat at you know at a desk with five or six people with mints in the middle and me to bore them to death with powerpoint presentations and talking about leadership theory um so we didn't do any of that at all um we 
we ended up in a very cool like building up on the like 40th floor overlooking like the city of melbourne and we were sort of in couches and bean bags and you know like more comfortable space um and and really how the day went i basically shared my story with the group and i didn't really talk so much about vertical development theory what i had around the room was i had the seven stages of development and as i told my story i moved around the room and i let people observe what the stage was as i was telling my story so <clears throat> people got an experience they you know they probably learned more about me than they ever needed to um but they got to understand that these developmental stages and i moved backwards and i moved forwards and they could see that it wasn't linear progression for me and that at each stage of moving from uh you know each transition involved some level of like in and like angst and like a, a transition so it, you know within a couple of hours without really talking about the theory at all i'd given people a, a journey and and people were i mean they were very kindly listening to me but at the same time they're also processing immediately going gosh that makes sense like you know that particular that transition you know while they have a different story to me they can see the transition and they've suddenly got words and um it was a it was a real it was a big morning and but people really got a lot out of understanding these stages by hearing somebody else's story um yeah rather than being talked to about about theory so what what did you notice in the follow up of, of that day and and other work that you've done post that day in, yeah. in how this having this awareness that we're all on a journey and a lot of the things we do as leaders have to do with the lens that we are inhabiting in that particular moment of our lives and that perhaps that these lenses the awareness that these lenses are just lenses we can challenge we can change what has been some of the impact you've noticed in in the leaders you're working with and perhaps in in the initial intention that you started this program with to to challenge that hyper performance focus and and kind of understand that we've reached the limits of horizontal so how can we increase our internal capacity for complexity yeah, yeah. so i think i mean one of the big things that we got from it was a much deeper understanding of as leaders as humans so that we are you know we're not just the title that we do we're not just the job that we do but like that we're all human beings and um once we all started to recognize firstly our own stories and then listening in and sharing uh, on the stories of others we were just creating a much deeper connection amongst a group of leaders that didn't have it before and they immediately started having the ability to have conversations at a deeper level than they were previously having um and they had language uh 
they had language to put around it. We had a particularly um, great meeting and I was really just observing in this meeting. Um, but the group had got very, <clears throat> very, very achievement focused, very focused on task and outcome. And one of the one of the leaders in the group was able to go, hey, can we just like pause for a second? And he was able to say, if we remember, like we've got very task focused here, we're very achiever. Like, how could it be different? Like, how could we approach it from what what if we took a different viewpoint? And really he was approaching it from a later stage, but was able to use the language and and everybody else in yeah. the group were was able to go, yep, totally. We didn't recognize it in the moment, but now that you've called it out and suddenly the conversation was a very different conversation. So so it almost allowed the, the group itself to self-regulate, to pattern interrupt from having this awareness, catching themselves going into the familiar pattern of way of doing things. And what I'm hearing is sometimes it takes one person to catch yes. it. If the language exists, then the whole group kind of becomes self-aware in that particular moment and can shift the course of of a conversation or the outcome of a meeting. Totally. totally. That was, I mean, that was going a very particular direction, which was very organizationally on, on cue. Um, but the one, there was one leader was able to recognize in the moment and, and we ended up having a very different conversation with a very different outcome. Yeah. And that, so, oh, oh, sorry. Tangible. Yeah. It's like real tangible benefits. Tangible benefits. And that also, I think, is a such a great and interesting example of an ability that emerges as we grow into these later stages, which is to be able to observe ourselves during action instead of just getting caught up in the heat of the moment and reacting we're able to take that uh, metaphorical balcony view and actually see the pattern that's playing out and assess whether it's useful or not. And if it's not, call it out and, and shift out of that pattern in the moment. Yeah. yeah, very much. What excites you most about continuing to do this work and experiment with it, Marty? Um, what excites me about it? I, th I mean, the impact that it's had on... Um, I mean, myself personally, uh, the couple of people that I work really closely with in my team, and then some of the leaders that we've worked in, I mean, those that have really embraced it, they, they are showing up to work in a different way, you know? Um, and what excites me is the more people that, you know, we can influence to show up in, in a, in a different way, in a way that, is more enabling for others in a way that like really promotes the human side of leadership in a way that allows us to recognize that we all like are on journeys and we all have different, you know, we're all at different junctions on those journeys, but the more that we can create awareness of that, I think the, the better organizational outcomes that we will get. Is there um, anything that you're hoping to see in terms of those organizational outcomes? Sometimes people ask, you know, it's this might be an amazing tool to create and foster a more constructive and more conscious culture. And we know that's a driver of organizational performance. But if we mm -hmm. zoom in on that organizational performance question just for a moment, 
-hmm. what are you envisioning might become possible with this growth with this vertical growth of more and more leaders kind of touching in and stepping into those later stage capacities in the way they work day to day what what can be the the business benefits in a sense for the organization in the long run yeah well i mean if i i talk more generally about organizations rather than our own i think um you know the employee is changing has changed like the covid environment in the last few years have has made people reevaluate their relationship with work and as leaders it is absolutely critical that we recognize and learn how to how to um how to be able to engage those employees in the way that they now want to be engaged because ultimately you know most organizations can't run without their people and their people being engaged and if we if we stay um from a leadership perspective if if we stay in that like pre-conventional or conventional um notion we just won't have the capacity to to see you know i mean like if we look there's still so many leaders that are um running organizations today are two three generations removed now from those that are coming in the door and being employed like you have to be able to take on these different perspectives to be able to envisage what the future looks for that employee those new employees so i think that for me is a real challenge in terms of organizational productivity if it's driven from a real expert achiever level which is still reasonably selfish in its in its manifestation i'm not sure that the organizations that stay in that mindset and in that culture will be successful into the future so do you you touched on on something that i think is on many people's minds the younger generation coming into the door into workplaces mm -hmm. through the door and whether are you seeing something different in them in terms of you know yes. almost their outlook on this developmental kind of uh, journey do they come yeah. at it from a different point than maybe we did when when we started working certainly the people that i'm working with the younger generation um they get it so fast um really fast and uh you know my experience is is that they're really um hitting redefining and post-conventional stages really early in their journey um and that but just they are so much more aware of you know the environment like the 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 a more global perspective um from such a young age they're aware of issues they are um <clears throat> you know they're uh, act they see they see all of the problems of the world really early and they're not prepared to just you know they're not prepared to be diplomat they don't just want to fit in they don't just want to belong you know they're already joining organizations with much more mature sense making than than i had at that age for sure 100 so i do think it's it's an imperative on leadership to be able to understand 
<clears throat> and be able to engage with that next generation coming into organizations in in a way in which is going to keep them engaged and keep them keep them working yeah so it's almost creating a developmental pressure for leadership to catch up with that later stage so. really worldview that I, I, that beginner um beginners come into beginners in the work but not necessarily beginners in their development no that's right and i think the challenge that that's going to create within organizations is where you have people in more senior leadership roles that are still um you know earlier stage development center of gravity and a younger generation of a later stage already more mature sense making that's going to create like a cultural clash that um, will really be challenging for those leaders and overall that means it's a challenge for the organization because we'll end up with a revolving door of that young talent just coming in and going this is not the right place for me and and moving on yeah so th that brings me to my last big question for you um facing this this challenge this uh, clash of of cultures in a sense of developmental cultures from the perspective of a learning and development leader who is the, creating that environment of learning for the whole of the organization the new and the more senior and and holding all of that is there anything that you've learned on your journey so far that you feel people in your role uh, in organizations could benefit from um, maybe a piece of advice or a share of hard-won lessons or nuggets <laughs> of wisdom that could be useful to people leaders? Yeah, look, um, I mean, I think you have to know and own your own story. I think that for me is one of the most critical parts of this work because um, I, I think it's very hard for a leader or a coach or an L&D um, developmental person um, to really connect with the needs of others until they've done the self-analysis and understand that themselves. And really, you know, there's some very simple tools like the transformation cards um, is such a simple um, and like a cost-effective entry point into this conversation. And again, you can do it. So that's when you're looking at scale um you know some of the some of the tools are quite expensive and you know uh, there, there's a bit of a barrier to entry there but transformation cards is a really simple one that can be done at scale and it allows people to just be able to go <clears throat> i had a past i have a present and i'm in control of what the future might look like and what has been the catalyst between you know past and present what will be the catalyst between present and future. So I think that things like that are simple tools that allow you to work at scale and create sort of a common narrative around vertical development without getting very caught up in, in the theory. Mm. Thank you, Marty. Is there anything you're um, reading at the moment that you're finding really interesting? I am. I'm reading uh, Valerie Livesay's new book um, on fallback, and I'm finding that uh, it's 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 really enlightening, and it's very um, 
it's very easy to follow and uh, i'm i'm looking forward to in my next iteration of my program next year of being able to explore the idea of fall back in more depth with my next cohort and, uh, as we go through that next year so yeah i'm really looking forward to integrating that into the program yeah that's awesome I, i'm also reading uh valerie's book at the moment and having all sorts of insights about how the worst moments of our lives potentially can be some of our best moments not yeah. not in that moment <laughs> no. but but later on it's definitely a beautiful enlightening book on adult development that i think more people should read uh Absolutely. and I'll, I'll also put it in the resources. Mari, I am deeply grateful to you for agreeing to have this conversation with me. Um, I've learned a lot and I've learned a lot from all of the conversations we've had so far. And thank you for doing the work you're doing and for um, living, live, walking the talk, which I think is the hardest thing uh, to do. So easy to talk about this stuff is so much harder to actually uh, d try to integrate it in the way we live and the way we work yeah thank you and likewise alice it's really fun having this conversation and uh, looking forward to hearing more I hope you've enjoyed what has been for me a very honest and soulful conversation about walking the talk of adult development in our lives and in our work. I'm hoping you might take a few insights from Marty's experiences. The few things that have stuck with me are the idea that you can only support others' growth if you are willing to do the hard work of growth yourself and that the process of adult development is inherently uncomfortable. So it's a discomfort that you have to choose to step into. And then as a leader, what Marty was talking about was the vulnerability of being able to invite others into your journey and show them the ups and the downs as you have experienced them to then create that psychological safety, that trusting environment where people can actually open up and reflect on their own growth. So then they can become capable to take those insights into hopefully more mature behaviors with their teams if they we're talking about leaders. And one last idea that stuck with me and I'm going to reflect on it quite a bit after this conversation is the potential gap we're seeing in organizations between the developmental octaves of younger people coming in who are looking for purpose and meaning and have an awareness of the complexity and the huge challenges of the world in a way that perhaps their bosses did not have when they started. So this clash, this developmental clash between the expectations and the worldviews of Gen Zs coming into the workforce and what kind of developmental catalyst this becomes for leaders to continue to grow themselves up. So with all this in mind, I'm hoping this will give you some welcome opportunities for reflection. 
Do check out the podcast page where I've put a bunch of resources for you to dive deeper into some of the topics and some of the thinkers that Marty mentioned in this conversation. And I'll see you in January for another guest and another lens on adult development. Until then, stay well, stay true and continue growing yourselves up.